Today, I want to talk to you about Mary. Trust God for the impossible. You know, it happened on an ordinary day in a little town, a very insignificant place, a long, long, long time ago. But I know it happened because, you see, betrothal contracts were written on a very common, ordinary days. Some people believe that it may have been every Wednesday, but, but I'm not sure. I just know that it was on just an ordinary day that God was doing something very special. And so these couples would come in with their families, and, and the parents would get this contract written up, and then two years later, the couple would be married. What the parents of Mary and Joseph didn't know is that this was going to be a very significant something that was about to happen. And I mean, after all, it's, it was just the custom of that day. It was just a common occurrence. And, and those betrothals were, were ordinary things that are always happening. But what was not only that betrothal common is that Mary and Joseph, they were common. In fact, almost every Jewish family had a Mary in it. And hear this out. In some families, there were a couple Marys, Mary the elder and Mary the younger. But also, not only was that common, but the name Joseph was very common. So these two people, Mary and Joseph, were common, ordinary, amazing people. But do you know that Mary was somewhere around the age of 14 to 16 years old? Some people lean more to 14 years old. And Joseph, well, he was this common, hardworking carpenter. He wasn't a scholar of any sort. He wasn't a rabbi. He just worked with his hands. And but I want to tell you something that as common as Mary's name and Joseph's name was, as common as the betrothal contracts being written up, as common as this event was happening in their lives, this story is very uncommon. In fact, it's credible, incredible. And 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 I'm not I'm not sure if 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 I'm more amazed by, by the virgin birth or, or that God would have chosen this young teenage girl to house the Christ child. I read this, so that it, the difficult we will do today. The impossible will take just a little longer. See, that's exactly what the Christmas story is all about. Galatians says this, it was the fullness of time. Paul wrote that. In that plan, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, you see at the fall of mankind in Genesis, you go to Genesis and it only takes you three chapters where you begin to see a prophecy about the Christ child. And that child was, was the bruise, the head of that serpent. And after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, in that fullness of time, God sent his son. Galatians says, born of a woman. I would, I would like to rephrase that as born of a teenage child. But the beautiful story is that Mary was this young teenage girl who learned to trust God completely and totally. In fact, God, it was God who took this little girl and he did something absolutely amazing. He did something impossible. So I, I want us to just allow our minds to be focused on what's impossible in your life right now. And I want 
the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you through this message of what he is capable to do as he did in the life of Mary. So, so I want to seal that by asking us to stand. Would you stand with me just a moment? I want to pray. I want us to maybe make a verbal contract just for the next 30 minutes to ask God to have his will in our lives, in our minds, that we will focus on what is it that you want to say to me? Because here's one thing that I'm sure of, church, is that what he says to you here in this sanctuary, what he said to those in our first service at 9 o'clock, and what he's saying to you online is the same thing. Because he doesn't bring confusion in the body of Christ. He has a word for us today. And I'm absolutely sure that as you give him that permission, you're about to receive a gift from God that is absolutely incredible. So, Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, I pray that as we yield to what you so desire to speak to us as individuals, let there be that whisper of God's voice in our mind, our spirit, our very soul. Let there come the reality of what you so desire to say to us through the word of God. And let it be clear, decisive, and Lord, may we respond to it in absolute trust and obedience. And we will give you all the glory for this. For we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. You may be set. I want us to look at Luke, the first chapter. And there's so much to say about this Christmas story, but, but I'm going to talk to you about three things. And, and in saying that is I want you to understand Luke. Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. And he, this Luke gives us the best description of any of the Gospels, of what the virgin birth of Christ was all about. Dr. Luke, you would think maybe, let's get Peter, because he's kind of a scatterbrain, you know. But, but he got Luke, the physician, to talk about something that in, in our human understanding just makes no common sense, especially as a physician. The very first thing was an amazing announcement was made. I want us to pick this up in Luke 1, verse 26. And I'm using the amplified version. It goes this way. Now, in the sixth month, Elizabeth was pregnant. In, in Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee called Nazareth. A virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of the house of David, and a virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, an angel said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly perplexed in what he said. I, I take, uh, I'm amazed by that. He was, she, she was perplexed by what he said. I would be out of my mind of what I saw. But, but let me tell you this too. The past couple of weeks, I've been talking to you about giving and sharing with each other the gift of words, writing a letter to a loved one, sharing something of words of encouragement to family or friends, even to a stranger. The power of words. In this words, she wasn't taken back totally. It had to be a little bit of this angel, but more perplexed by what he said. Greetings, favor. One the Lord said to her. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Whew. Listen carefully. 
you will conceive in your, in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and eminent and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob Israel forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be? Since I am a virgin and have no intimacy with any man. Then the angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a cloud. For that reason, the the holy, pure, sinless child shall be called the Son of God. And listen, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived the son in her old age and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month for with God nothing for with God nothing for with God nothing is or ever shall be impossible then Mary said Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel left. (laughs) What an incredible announcement. Listen, church. Just when we began to, maybe in the year 2020, understand the complexities of the system of nature and understand its reliability, God in essential events of history decided to supersede the whole thing. He proclaimed an amazing announcement that no law of physics can explain. No science can hypothesize it and that no computer can predict it. Quietly even that it's beyond the boundaries of biology. God announces the son of the Most High will be born to a virgin. (laughs) Do you remember a couple weeks ago when I started this whole series, I I made this statement. I says, in order to appreciate the Christmas story, we have to keep it simple. And, And I understand, folks, that that word sometimes, simple, is kind of, hard to grasp, especially with, with maybe theologians or people uh, who, who study history and, and want to explain everything away to put God in, in, in a box. The theologians for the last 20 centuries have tried to explain not only the virgin birth, but they tried to explain miracles. Now, why do we get so amazed today at, at, wow, people say, the virgin birth, how could that be? But yet, back there in Genesis, there was this thing of creation. And, and God created all of this universe out of nothing. I would put that in a category of maybe a miracle trying to explain that. So when we get amazed what happened in Bethlehem, is it any wonder that, well, what did we wait so long for when it happened centuries before that? But you've got to keep Christmas' message, uh, well, in the understanding of a child's heart and mind to get the really most out of it. But miracles and possibilities and events have always been tried by people thinking, I want, I, I want to put it in this little box. Actually, I, I, want, I want to explain it almost as that I'm going to put that one who is much greater than I, I'm going to bring his understanding down to my understanding. <laughs> that doesn't work very well. And so there was this doctor this physician and this psychiatrist, they were married, and and they wanted to explain this thing called miracles. So they chose David and Goliath. 
And here's, here's the thing. They said that Goliath probably had this physical, well, disease disorder, a cyst on his forehead that, that was, was soft. And that cyst is that when David dressed not in armor, Saul's armor, or any armor, but in a shepherd's guard, and went running out in that field, waving that slingshot, and he let go of that stone. It hit the cyst and killed Goliath. Well, I don't know if Goliath had a soft head or a cyst or, or anything of this sort. All I knew was that this teenage kid running out against this gigantic giant who was much bigger than him, running with all he had, swinging that, that slingshot, and he happened to hit that giant right in the right spot. Only thing I know is that he got him. He got him. And the amazing thing is that, well, we always try to put God in that box to explain it. And it's beyond that. Now, folks, I have no idea if Goliath had a, had a cyst or not. But I do know that it was a miraculous work of God. It literally was a miracle for him taking down this giant with a stone. It's, it's amazing how we try to make things that out of just plain, simple, childlike faith, complex. I, I remember when, when I was pastoring as a youth pastor in Bloomington, Indiana. It was, the church was right across the street from Indiana University. I would drive the van over there to the campus, and I would pick up 15, 16 Indiana University students. One of them was getting his doctorate in linguistics, understanding language. And so in our Sunday school class I was teaching, I had these college university students, and we were talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues. And, 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 and one of the students said, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And I said, no, it doesn't. And that kind of took him back in thinking, I thought you were supposed to give me the right answer, I'm not saying it doesn't make any sense. So we talked about it for the next several weeks. And, and it was a teaching, dialogue teaching. I would speak about it, what the Word of God was saying about it, and, and ask questions, and they would ask questions back and forth and back and forth. And after several weeks... We got the class all together again in that Sunday school class. And I says, is there any questions? No. Do you believe that that is real for this day? Yes. Do you believe that that could be for you this day? Yes. I, I, didn't, I didn't have some great worship music behind me. I, I didn't preempt anything with, with getting them all hypered up. I just said, well, let's pray then. It's yours for the taking. One student after another began speaking in that heavenly language. On the way home, that, that young man who was getting his Ph.D. in linguistics, they all looked at him and said, what do you think? And he says, you know, here's, here's what I did. Because I realized that even though it was a language I didn't understand, there was a pattern in it. And so what I did, I love college students, he goes, I stopped speaking in that heavenly language and just jibber-jabbered, and there was no pattern. And then I went back to speaking, and it was a language. I, wa I want you to know is that they came to realize that when we take God's word as, as a heart of a child, that simple truth, it works. God has something to say to us. Now, what I'm saying, folks, is that we can never appreciate Christmas until we take it in a childlike faith. Did you, you know, sometimes that we want to try to explain miracles away, or, or it's like this pastor, he, he, got, he was in this Sunday school class with these children, and, and as he's in that class with the children, he's going to explain to them what a miracle is, and he says, let's just say, let's just say, I'm on top of a 10-story building, 
and I trip and I fall off that building and I'm falling and I'm falling and I'm falling and all of a sudden this wind, whirlwind just catches me and lifts me up and drops me slowly. What would you call that? And this little boy raises his hand and goes, what is it? And he goes, what do you call it? Because he wanted to hear a miracle. He goes, lucky. So, 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 no, 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 no. I'm on a 10-foot building. I fall off a 10-foot building. This wind catches me, lifts me up, and drops me down very slowly, and I land safely. What do you call that? And another child raises his hand. He says, an accident? No, 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 no. Ask again. I'm on this 10-foot building. I didn't mean 10 story building. I fall off. This whirlwind catches me, lands me softly. What do you call that? And all the kids got all quiet. And then they all raised their hands and goes, What is it this time? He says, Let's try it. <laughs> I don't know what it is, is that we try everything we can to say anything but miracle. You see, the pride of man is, is amazing to me. The Christmas story is so beautiful in that announcement. The fact that the Son of God is going to be born, conceived by the Holy Spirit, that sent the Son of God to be born out of Mary is an incredible announcement. Accept that as that simple truth. There is something else that is amazing about this story. It's the amazing assignment. The assignment of the birth of the Christ child is given to Mary, a 14-year-old child. I asked, well, we had in her first service a 13-year-old. I asked her to stand up and says, could, could you imagine trusting the, the eternal redemption of mankind to a 14-year-old child? Do you think that maybe he should have gotten a 35 or 38-year-old virgin-looking woman who, who certainly would understand how to give birth, understand that what could, how to take care of a child. Now, I want us to try to wrap our minds around this and look at in, into the eyes of a 14-year-old in the 20th, well, 21st century. Here comes this 14-year-old girl with a T-shirt with all type of silly slogans on it, chewing bubblegum and listening to something that is called music in her ear. And all of a sudden, that she, she is going to house the Son of God in her body. Uh, how, why would he choose a child, a young teenage girl? I mean, Sarah, she was getting close to 100 years old, then that was a miracle in itself, but maybe that could have been better. Or, or Elizabeth was certainly beyond childbearing age. That could have been, but to seem to choose a 14-year-old child doesn't make any sense. And yet, when you think of Christmas, when you think of redemption, when you think of God becoming flesh, in other words, what he's asking us in a word is vulnerability. I'm going to tell you that and I can worship an omniscient God, all-knowing God, all-powerful God. But when you think of this priceless gift given to a 14-year-old child, that, that same God who spoke the words of the universe into existence now can't feed himself. It was an amazing assignment that Mary would be the one, and no wonder he asked us to have that childlike faith. His own mother was basically a child herself. And, and yet, as this young child grew up and seen how God, how Jesus lived and moved in his life, she come to understand very well who this was. Because in that very first miracle, in that wedding, she looks at the servants and the disciples, and she says, do whatever he asks of you. 
see, the real faith of God consists of that simple childlike faith to believe God could do the impossible. Christmas, if it is anything in this time for miracles, it is a story of God doing the impossible. And, I, and, and before I can be, become bewildered by the fact of her age, I begin to see how God has used people throughout history at amazing times in bringing about the lineage of Christ. Well, why would he ever choose Abraham to be the father of nations? Wouldn't you think maybe, maybe he should have at least had a kid himself? Or, or what about one of the great statesmen of the Old Testament, Moses? Maybe, maybe if you're going to find someone who's going to stand before Pharaoh and tell him to release all of your workers, two and a half million people, out of your land, maybe you think someone would be just a little bit better than someone who had a stuttering problem, couldn't put a full sentence together, or, or maybe be, before he would pick this unwell, undisciplined Samson to be a judge where maybe Samson needed to be judged first, or little David, David maybe depicting him as to be the next king when his own family didn't believe in him. When it's time to choose who was going to be a king out of his family, they sent the little runt out into the field. You think that maybe David may have had a little bit of a complex? That it's, it's, it's one thing for outsiders not to believe in you, but your own family not to believe in you? Hmm. Well, how about an unholy Isaiah to be the prophet of, to Israel? Or an uncouth John the Baptist. Maybe, maybe it would have been at least John could have taken a shower and shaved his beard. Or the IRS agent, Matthew, to be a disciple. The, the tax collectors of that day was the mafia. They were able to take whatever they wanted from the people. Or the little tree climber, Zacchaeus, to be someone who would invite Jesus to his home. <laughs> Here's the best one, I think, is the unstable Peter to be the rock of the church. Why is it? Is he always the one that we're thinking? Why would you choose them? But I want to remind you here this morning, and you online, what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, in the King James Version, that we, that's you and me, you listening online, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Mary had this treasure of the Christ child within her, within our earthly vessels, this earthly vessel, we have that treasure of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This vessel, your vessel, my vessel, this old gray-haired, wrinkling body that is going to die someday is that I have this incredible message, this treasure with inside of me, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 1, verse starting with verse 26, for consider your calling, brothers and sisters, that there were not many wise according to the flesh. Well, thanks. Not many mighty, not many noble. For God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the rise. wise. I'm thinking, okay, he's talking about me, I think. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to shame the things which are strong. Now, he said, I'm not wise. He said, I'm weak. I'm trying to get a positive attitude with this thing. 
and the insignificant things of this world. Now I'm really getting beaten down here. And then he says, the despised of God's chosen. Wow. The things that are not so that he can nullify the things that are. I love what Pastor James said on Wednesday night. He says, don't allow the world or anybody else define who you are. Let God's word define who you are. Let the Holy Spirit speak into you about who you are. You are chosen by Christ. You are a holy priesthood. You are his crowning glory. I want you to know that he sees you who you truly are so that no human may boast before God, but it is due to him that you are in Christ Jesus who became, um, who became to us wise from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, just as it is written, let us who boast, boast in the Lord. Oliver Cornwell was a British, in the, the head of the British government. And it came to a time that they had a shortage of silver. So he got some of his men and told them to go down to the local cathedral to see if there was any precious metals in that cathedral. And, and this is what they came back with. They said, the only metal that we see is the silver in some of the statues of the saints who are standing in the corners. And Oliver Cornwell said, well, good. Melt down the saints and put them into circulation. I want you to know when he's putting you through the fire, he's burning out all that impurity. What he's doing is that he's taking that and then he's going to put us into circulation to see what he can do within our lives. See, there's just something very special about what God wants to do. And there's something else that is amazing about this story. And that third thing is an amazing acceptance. The acceptance of Mary's birth, well, the birth of Jesus Christ in Mary is unbelievable. But it's true. I, I, I told the, the team earlier this morning, and the PowerPoint is, is that I'm not going to do the whole thing about the angel and speaking to, to, to Mary and in that, but but I'm gonna, I want to point out one last thing in that verse where it says this. And Mary said, after everything with this encounter with the angel, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to be according to your will. And the angel departed from her. Let it be done according to your will. What what did Mary actually say there? And and listen, what did Mary actually risk? First of all, Mary, the risk is that rejection and disapproval of the family. <laughs> uh, we want to say that man, this was a loving family. Her mom and dad was right there for him. And, and maybe they were, or maybe they I, I don't know 100%, uh, but, but, but I, I want you to put this into context. I want you to put this in context. If your 14-year-old daughter comes to you and she says, uh, Mom, Dad, uh, I'm with child. And, 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 and I think maybe the first thing the father wants to say, who's the daddy? And, she, and then this 14-year-old child comes back and she says, it's God. Now, I, I have a feeling that there's a lot more discussion going on in this family. It would be in my family. Here's the second thing. The public disapproval. 
See, there, here's what would happen in a Jewish tradition. Three days before the, the marriage is that, that that bride would be set out in a chair with her hair down, wearing a white dress to signify that she was a virgin. And for three days, people and neighbors in the public could come by and congratulate her, show their approval, maybe even give her a gift of some sort. But that's not what they understood because this was a small town. They all knew that, well, they thought that this good girl was a good girl and she was now a child and now mom and dad's going to sit her out there for three days to allow the public to say whatever they want to say to her. I'm not too sure because there's going to be some disapproval. Thirdly, the loss of her fiancé, Joseph. We know when, when I spoke about Joseph that he was a righteous man. He wanted to put her away quietly. He didn't want to embarrass her. He's trying to wrap his mind around this whole thing that his fiance, the woman that he loves, the woman that he wants to marry to take care of the rest of his life is with child. And not only could she have the possibilities of losing her fiancé, she would lose her whole future because women of that day, their whole future was wrapped up in that man. Is that if he would reject her, she had nothing. And who would want this woman after all that public knowledge and now she is with child? But fourthly, there's that possible loss of her very life because then not only did Joseph have the right to divorce her because of what seemingly happened, he had the right to have her stoned to death. Now, here's a couple of things that I want you to fasten your mind around. Wrap your mind around this. God chose Mary, which was absolutely amazing in itself. But I want you to know also that Mary chose God. See, God wanted to do something very special in Mary's life. He wanted to do the impossible. The God who spoke the world into existence, the all-known, all-powerful God who wanted to bring redemption to the world, to mankind. He wanted to bring eternal life in the people's lives. And he chose this 14-year-old child. But he would not do that unless she gave him permission. Now, my children aren't teenagers anymore. My son turns 50 next month. I don't know how that happens. I must have adopted that kid when he was in his 20s or something. And here's, here's the thing is that I would have never given my kids the permission. says, here's what I'm going to do, but you have to let me know if, it's, if you allow me to do it. That's just not going to float in my house. Is, is that my word was law. That was it. Uh, they liked it or not. It was going to be it. And here, the son of, well, here God himself is saying to this 14-year-old girl, I want to do the supernatural, the marvelous, the miracle, redemptive work of mankind. But, but little child, I want you to give me permission to do it. It just amazes me. And she said, let it be done as your word. Now listen up. Mary found herself in a really tough situation. But when God is at work, Mary came to realize that she was not alone 
in this journey. This journey started a long time before her and continued long time after her. Remember Isaac, who was born of Sarah and Abraham at an uncommonly old age. The lineage of God was happening. Samuel's birth to Hannah. God was working. John the Baptist, who has been born of Zechariah and Elizabeth, was, well, at an age beyond, well, well, she was getting older. In each of these accounts, God was moving the miraculous impossibilities to make them impossible to bring about the birth of Jesus Christ. And here's what I'm saying, folks. God had to do the impossible throughout the lineage, the line of Christ, before Jesus was ever born in Bethlehem. And in that line of which his birth would come, God had to, at different times, do the impossible to bring about this Christmas story. And I want, you, I want you to relate to this along with me and the fact that your life and my life, that there are times when we absolutely need to have God to do the impossible. How many of you here this morning, hands went up all over this sanctuary in the first service. I'm going to speak to you in this sanctuary and you online. Because even you online, if I, I don't see you, but the Holy Spirit knows exactly what's going on in your home. And how many of you here this day say, you know, I could use something, a miracle done and God doing an impossible in my life. Anybody here? <laughs> Hands being raised all over the place. Because who doesn't need that this day? And that in the chaos of the time in which we are living in, we're just trying to survive this day, let alone wondering if God could do the impossible. And we are being bombarded by everything all around us. It seems like it is an impossibility. It just can't happen. We are not going to get out of this mess. I don't know how God is going to do it. I don't have any human understanding what it could do, but I want you to know in this message, in this word to us today, God has been in the business to do the impossible in people's lives from the very beginning of time to 2020, and he has not stopped doing that, and he so desires to do that within our lies. You see, in times like this, God breaks in and does the impossible. I love this statement. I say it so often. I don't know if I made it up or I read it somewhere or something, but I say that when eternity breaks or invades the present, that eternity invaded the present in that Bethlehem manger. But I want you to know he's still doing that this very day. And I want you to know something else, church. Mary took a risk and she stepped out. Think about this. The wise men took a risk and they stepped out. The shepherds took a risk and they stepped out. And Joseph took a risk, and, and he stepped out. This amazing, incredible God who is in the impossible business is simply saying, I want you to take a risk and simply step out and allow God to do the impossible in your life. Would you stand with me, please? I have, I've never dreamt that 2020 was going to be 2020 like we have experienced. I never, I would never expect that God would have done what he has done in this past year. If I knew that 2020 was going to be like this, I would have been shaking in my shoes. But I took it one day at a time and took that risk trusting in God. And I have heard testimony after testimony in this congregation. You online, 
you here in this sanctuary have told me time and again how God has moved in your behalf. It seemed like he was doing the impossible, and he was. And here's what I truly believe. God is not done with us yet. Far beyond it. And I believe that what God has done is that he has taken the body of Christ and he's given us a year, 2020, and put us in timeout. And he says, I have some things I want to talk to you about. I have some things I want to show you that no one else sees. I want to prove to you what I could do in the chaos of this world in which we are living in. And I have friends, I've heard of churches that are literally shutting down because their finances are not here. I have good news for this congregation. God is faithful. And out of that faithfulness, you have been faithful in every single department in this church that we are in the black as we come into 2020. I want you to understand something else is that in the chaos, when I'm wondering how in the world are we going to keep the lights on, we have more in our kind. I'm afraid to say this. We might stop giving, but you won't because you've been faithful. We are better right now than we have been in the past five years because of God's faithfulness. I would have never expected that. I have had people today and this week coming up to me and not only were we able to be giving out 30 Christmas food boxes to people is that I had people coming up to me to giving me money and says, give this to someone who needs it is that there's been hundreds of dollars passed down through this congregation because God has been faithful and God is working. And I believe that in 2020 that there's going to be this tsunami of God's work. When this COVID thing is all done, there's going to come an eruption because God has taken us through the fire. And he's saying, I want to do something in your life. And he's put you in places where you thought you never would have been able to survive. He says, I'm going to do something special. In fact, I think I'm going to do the impossible. Some of you are still in that impossible places. We have people raise their hands all over this congregation saying, I need the impossible done. Well, I'm ready to see it done because this is this message for Christmas. It is a message to us saying he wants to do the impossible because Emmanuel wasn't just for 2,000 years ago. It is for 2020 and for 2021. And God is about to erupt. So let's trust him in the impossible. In doing that, he says, give me permission. (laughs) I love he doesn't force me to do anything. Sometimes I wish he would because sometimes I do what I want to do and that's not the right thing to do. Then I pay the consequences. You know what I'm speaking? Yeah? Yeah, we all agree in that. But he loves us so much, he says, we're in this together. So what he says give me permission what I ask of you today is you says let it be done according to your word not according to the preacher unless I'm speaking the word but according to your word let it be done and I ask then that you walk in obedience it's simple faith and it's simple obedience trusting him for today Life is confusing. But God isn't. He's the same yesterday and today. He wants to wrap his arms around you. He wants to remind you and say, I got this. Trust in me. And if you haven't, or maybe that trust has been shaken a little or a lot. And you said, preacher, you're talking to me. I want to renew that trust. I want to renew that relationship. I want to receive that gift. I want to rewrap it and open it up again. 
and see what God could do. He wants to do that today. Or you're just going through the testings of your life. And God, if it's not today, it's tomorrow. But I promise you, today he's going to give you the strength to endure it. Because he does. So would you bow your heads with me? You at home and here in this sanctuary, if you are going through some impossible situations, this is the season of the impossible. God wants to move in your behalf. But all he needs is your permission. First of all, maybe you need to renew or to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Let that be done today, just by inviting him to come into your life. Or you're just discouraged, worn out, and exhausted. And what you need today is a fresh drink of that water. Allow God to do a restoring work so that this Christmas season you're saying, Lord, let it be done according to your word. If I'm speaking to you today, what I ask of you to do is just look up at me just for a moment and say, I hear you. <laughs> I love this. I so love this because God is at work. I'm among you. I wish I had a mirror to look at myself. Because I'm ready for the impossible to happen. So, Heavenly Father, in your name, God the Father, in the name of your Son, God the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, I ask what you have declared from the very beginning to be done this very day. I pray for the supernatural. I pray for the impossible to be happening. And what we do, we're saying as individuals and as a corporate body of Christ, let it be done according to your word. And let it be done to bring glory to your name. Let it be done that the world be able to see that there is an almighty God who still very much involved in every activity of our lives. It is not only Sunday morning, it is every moment of every day and we celebrate your favor. Let us walk with confidence and assurance. Let us celebrate Emmanuel Christmas this season with that expectation of the impossible because we serve God who specializes in that. In that name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.